Number one. No, no. First Kings chapter number 19, verse number one. <laughs> no, 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 no. First Kings chapter number 19. Verse... It's all right. See, it works. <laughs> hey, listen. I, even, with, even with the mess ups, that was, was a great song. And you know what? You'd have to know how it feels. You'd have to know what they're singing about to know. I, I, let me just tell you how I feel. I am so grateful Amen. to know such a wonderful Savior. Amen. Folks, I'm telling you what, I, I, w- I went through this life alone. I was loved, I had family and friends and stuff, but I was alone until I met the Savior. Once I, once I met the Lord Jesus Christ, he's been so good to me, and he's been faithful, and I'm so glad to be saved. I'm so glad to be drawn in. I'm so glad to be invited into his family. And he's been wonderful. I just love the Lord. I love singing about him and singing about his return and singing about it. It's just wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to know the Lord. I am so glad that I'm saved. If you don't know the Lord today, listen, you're missing. You're missing what you don't know. You have no clue. And you need to be saved. Amen. Tonight, we're going to be having the uh, annual church business meeting after the evening service. And you say, well, that's not a big deal. Well, when you take a look at over the last year, how that the Lord has provided for this church and guided and everything else, it's a hallelujah. Folks, it's a hallelujah. And, you know, I know it's for members, but if you, uh, you're uh, just a visitor or whatever, you, you can partake in that meeting and, and uh, just see and see how the Lord is blessed. And we're looking forward to, to rejoicing. It'll be... Uh, 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 Streamlined, so it's not going to take a long time after the evening service, but uh, it'll be it'll be a good time in the Lord tonight. First Kings chapter number nineteen, verse number one, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, "So let the gods, if you know that's little G there, she's not talking about the real God, the God of." Uh, Abraham and Isaac, she's talking about not the creator God, but the idols that she worshipped. So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. 24 hours. Turns over the, the, uh, what do you call that, uh, where the sand goes through, the hourglass. And when he saw that, he rose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And we'll continue, but stop right here. Let's ask the Lord's blessings as we get into the message here today. And hopefully there'll be something for you and something for me that the Lord will speak to us and speak to our hearts. Let's ask him. Lord, I pray that this morning you would take your word and and, uh, illuminate it to us, empower it, Lord, that you would... Speak to each one of our hearts, bring us closer to you, no matter who we are, where we are. Lord, I pray that you would take your word and do what we need done and what you would like accomplished. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to say what I should and refrain from saying what I should not. And, Lord, I pray that you just bless in this service. Thank you so much for the, the songs and the, and the meaning behind those, those songs that we've sung and we've heard. Lord, it's just such a blessing to this point, such a blessing to share with God's people and Rejoice over the things of the Lord. I pray, Lord, now that you would just be with us in these next few moments as we uh, 
come before you, Lord. We pray that your blessing be upon us. Open up your word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> As we're going through this, to set the stage leading up to the conflict and the divine victory that we uh, we've been preaching over the last three or four weeks, we've got to remember that there were 850 opponents to God and His Word at the show showdown on the top of Mount Carmel. This is the culmination of that, and if, you're, if you'd like to, by the way, if you ever miss a message or whatever, you want to go back into the uh, website, the messages are recorded, and uh, right now we're live streaming also, so that can be found on the uh, YouTubes. Uh, if you... Uh, I said that before. Is it the Gen X are, are uh, laughing at my terminology. The YouTube videos, okay. Anyway. <laughs> so what's wrong with YouTubes? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, right. See, they're laughing. They're all laughing at me. Anyway. So you can see those if you want to actually see the, the message rather than, than just listen and uh, kind of um, get caught up. But if... Uh, the last few weeks we've been talking about the the, uh, the culmination of God's victory on the top of Mount Carmel. And uh, there, there was actually 850 of the opponents of God at this showdown at Mount Carmel. And we see that in 1 uh, Kings chapter 18, verse number 19. It says, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. See, what was going on, there was this challenge to the nation of Israel, which was headlong into idolatry and backsliding away from God and away from the truth. And he says, let's get everybody here together. We're going we're gonna to have a showdown. The spiritual condition had backslidden so badly that the general public couldn't even identify the one and true God. This is talking about the children of Israel. 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, you know, that's one of the false gods that they worshipped, if Baal, then follow him. And all the people answered him not a word. Can you imagine that? Now we're talking about, after all... What God did for this nation manifested miracles for the Israelites. What a low point that they had in their in their their uh, uh, condition. Let's pick it up, and and we, you probably won't, uh, guys. Don't don't worry about putting it up on the on the screen. If you want to just grab your Bible, because we're going to be reading. The, the story, so we'll read a whole section here. So if you want to grab your Bible and you don't have a Bible, there's the black books in the, in the, the pews. You can go ahead and get one. And, and turn and let, let's read in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 from verse number 22. We're going to read a, a portion of the scripture there. 1 Kings chapter 22, I'm sorry, chapter 18 and verse number 22. 1 Kings 18, 22. <clears throat> Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Uh, the situation with the Baal's prophets and the prophets of the groves, the Baal's prophets were the official. They were the ones that were uh, officers for the idolatry for Baal. And then prophets of the groves, I don't know, but I can see these as uh, 
um, uh, cottage industry profits. These are profits coming in, come uh, just arising from everywhere. People that are followers and imitations and whatever, and they're all you know kind of like in the same vein, away from the truth, away from the the the, uh, the scriptures, and they're they're all uh, kind of imitating, doing the same thing as the prophets of Baal. You have the official, and then you have those who are just kind of coming along. You always get that. You always get the followers. And so there's 850 here that are, that are uh, called out. So it says, uh, um, where are we now? 23. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under and I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And ye call on the name of your gods, little g, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Okay, that's good. Let's, let's find out. Let's really see in this, in this uh, challenge who the real God is. And who the figment of your imagination is, okay? So we're going to go ahead and everybody claims that their deity has power and everything else. And so, okay, it's well spoken. The people said, okay, that's a good challenge. Verse 25. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first, for ye are many. And call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it. And called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is either a god, either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. This is... He's, he's poking fun at them. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. They were serious. This was not, folks, this was not uh, something that was light to them. They, they worshipped this God. They worshipped these false gods. And, and they were serious about, and they were all in. They were cutting themselves and they were, they were, they were, they were doing all that they could to get their God to answer. And then, and talk about politically incorrect. Elijah was making fun of their God. You know, well, he might be sleeping. <laughs> Cry louder. You know, and that how cruel. But that's that's what he did. That's he was he was sarcastic. He was making fun of their their uh, state, their their condition, their beliefs. But it was sincerely held beliefs. And they cried aloud and cut themselves. Look at verse 29. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. They're asking their God to consume their, their sacrifice upon the altar that they built, and nothing, there's nothing is silent. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Well, there was an altar there. They were, it was out of use. 
nobody was sacrificing on that anymore. And, and, uh, and so that was typical of the nation. Oh, man, they, they were far from serving. They were far from being where they ought to be. And so he had to repair the altar that was broken down. Verse 31. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the son, sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. You know, it's hard enough to get a wood going with dry wood, but then he says, I want you to take water and, and douse it. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about the, ran around about the altar. And he filled the trench also with water. I think he was showing that, folks, this is going to be impossible for fire to consume this. It's, it not only is it soaking wet, it's, it's, it's in a, a puddle of, of water. There's a pool of water here. It's in water. And he says, that that's not a problem for God if he wants to consume this offering. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Talk about a spectacular church meeting. Goodness. Goodness. At the sharp conflict of divine endorsement, Elijah was shown to be the one guy on the right, and everybody else was proven to be a shyster, a, a liar, snakes, enemies. Although Elijah could have avoided the sarcasm in his taunts, he didn't tone it down in presenting the truth. I mean, that's just who Elijah was. Sorry. I mean, he, he got the job done, didn't he? God did endorse him, and God actually used that to make a point. He was the, the uh, spokesman for the Lord, and so he was the one that was uh, being harsh or whatever, but that's what he was doing. But the fire of God fell and God was advanced. Sure, maybe 10% of that congregation moved their membership to the politically correct non-confrontational uh, church down the road, but, uh, but I'd still be a part of the church that calls a spade a spade. And, and Elijah was not afraid to call it spade a spade, and that's what he did. Oh, but the conflict is far from over. 
yeah, the 850 prophets for hire were destroyed, or maybe at least the 450 prophets of Baal, and I'm not exactly sure how that, that works, uh, but it says that the prophets were destroyed. And now the nation could begin their slow and their tedious trek of repentance and restoration back to their creator. But boy, oh boy, was Jezebel ever ticked off. Oh, man. Matter of fact, I'm preparing this message, and so many times I'll use a slang that I think is okay, and it's not. And then I find out later it's not, and I have to apologize. You know, so, but I looked that one up. Ticked off is okay. That's, that's not, you know. It, it actually means, you know, like if you've got a list to check things off as you, you know, kind of read the right act, and, you know, as you're being admonished, ticked off, you know, and, and, and being, anyway. She was ticked off. <laughs> and uh, like you say, the, the conflict was far from over. First Kings chapter 19, verse number one, where we started in our text today. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me. I'm going to get you just like you, you uh, uh, wiped out my, my uh, uh, entourage. You, you uh, killed them all. So, so let the gods do to me. And more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time, I'll get you, my little pretty, and your dog too, you know. That's what she was saying. And then you know the story here, if you're familiar with your Bible, in 1 Kings chapter 19, how Elijah ran. We're quick to, quick to criticize Elijah for running, but this opponent was the personification of evil, who carried out her diabolical assaults against God's people and, and against God, and she made good with her word. I mean, she was, I mean, Ahab was the king, well, you know, he had the title. But boy, she was, a, she was the one behind the whole thing, pushing towards idolatry and what it was that she was. Our theme is preparing for the blessings of God. I mean, that's what, what our uh, annual theme is, and, and getting ready to see God come through. And they were instructed of God to prepare for the outpouring of blessings. When the blessings finally came, the rain came, we, we talked about that the last few weeks. But then we face an assault that... One could argue that Elijah was not prepared for. See, there was great victory. We call it the Mount Carmel experience. The event is referred to as something that was red letter. The Mount Carmel experience. It was the, a clear challenge and a, a test of authority. A, a divine intervention and a decisive win for God. Decisive. I mean, it wasn't, there was no question at all who the real and true God was. There's no question who the prophet of God was and who the false prophets were. Fire from heaven, goodness sake. Now, how clearly victorious can you get? What a victory. What a win. What a triumph. We won, right? The opposition was defeated, and so I guess we can relax, right? Well, no, wrong. See, what happened here was there was a single battle won. The, the war, the battles were still raging on. Folks, as long as we live in these bodies, 
In this fallen world, before Jesus returns to secure full and final victory, we are at war and will continue to be at war no matter what small victories or battles are won. See, but that's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that believers in our um, presentation, our, our emphasis of the truth, we are to battle, and it's a continual battle. The Bible's clear that we've been inducted into God's military force for good and for heaven. We don't carry weapons in this uh, physical world and, and uh, you know, push God's things that way. No, but we're certainly in the Lord's army. We're, we've been chosen to be a soldier, the Bible says. In Jude, verse number three, the Bible says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men's, men crept in unawares who, and it goes on and, and talks about those opponents of God. We are to contend for the faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 2. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, Paul tells these Thessalonian believers, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. They were preaching the word of God, but along with that, anytime that the preaching of the truth goes out, you're going to have contention. Or you're going to have those that, that oppose Whatever, whenever God affirms anything, there are opponents, there are uh, uh, enemies that will con contradict and, and say things contrary to what God says. And he says, that's what happened. When we came to preach to you, we were bold to, to speak unto you the gospel. That means the good news, the good news of God, the gospel of God. But there was much contention. Much contention. Believer, you better get over this... Uh, la-la land that sometimes we're in that we think that we're not going to face contention. We're not going to face uh, opposition to the truth. Whenever the truth goes out, we're, we're facing contention. Anytime that the truth will be presented, lies will be assaulted. Uh, one cannot affirm the truth of God without doing damage to heresy or to falsehood. Every time the Bible is preached, it will be with much contention. Mark it down. It's where we live. When society is headed away from God and his word, there is no choice but to offend. Now, we don't want to offend unnecessarily. We don't want, we don't want to be ignorant. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, remember Ahab's meeting with Elijah just before our text in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 17? Came to pass when Elijah saw, uh, uh, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, are he that troubleth Israel? And Elijah, and he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. You're the problem. See, everybody else was looking at Elijah saying, get this guy. He's the problem, but he wasn't the problem at all. No, no. It was those that were in opposition. They were the problem. They were the ones that were stirring things up. They were the ones going in the wrong direction where God had to come with chastisement. God had to come to get their attention. God had to send the famine. God had to, to, uh, to uh, shake them up. But Elijah was called the troublemaker. He was called the contentious one. He was Now, folks, 
I'm telling you, every time, every time that the truth goes out, you're going to face contention, opposition to that. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, this is what Paul told his preacher, Timothy. He said, this charge I commend unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. The prophecies, he's talking about the word of God. He's talking about the things that he's been taught. and all. He says, hey, you take these, and by the word of God, you're to, you're to uh, engage in this war, in this battle that you're in, that you could war a good warfare. Well, he doesn't mean, you know, opposition, does he? No, he does. Absolutely, he's saying there's going to be opposition. Absolutely, he's saying there, you're going to have war. First Timothy chapter 6, verse number 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. You're going to be in, engaged in a battle, folks. It's a fight. Second Timothy 4, 7. I have fought, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And, and it, was, it, was, it cost him. Many times it was painful. Many times it, he was in loss. And many times he was uh, losing the battle to the opposition. But listen, it was a, it's a fight. And, and he was actually at that point, he was about to lose his head. Well, who's winning then? Well, God ultimately wins. But there it sure looked, looked like uh, there was a battle that was lost. But Paul, at the end of his life, he says, hey, I stayed with it. I fought a good fight. Now, for those who don't have the stomach for fighting or contending or opposing the enemy, go ahead and just emphasize the positive. People do that. You know, they just want to emphasize the positive and the good and, and, and to stay in the upbeat. Avoid conflict, if you will. But know that the real preaching of the truth is not complete without countering falsehood. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what Jude said was necessary. Remember, we, we read that verse in Jude, verse number three. He says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, he's talking about preaching the gospel. He's talking about, you know, presenting the truth of God, how a person can miss hell and go to heaven. You can have your sins forgiven. You can, you can enter into the family of God. You can be cleansed. You can be part of the family of God. You can be uh, uh, invited. You can be included. See, now he's talking about the gospel. He says, um, it, it, when I wrote unto you, he says, uh, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful. It means it was necessary. I couldn't avoid that. To preach the truth it was needful for, for me to write into you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. You see, in preaching the truth and the positive things, it's, it goes along with opposing the falsehood or the lies. Now, wait a minute. I thought he was merely presenting salvation. Yes, he was. Does he have to fight? <laughs> Does he have to, to, to be contentious against uh, the opposition the truth requires it. Folks, the truth requires it. So he says it's needful to contend for the faith and present it even if it's salvation, even if it's truth, the truth of the word of God. Okay, getting back to our text, um, Elijah's stumble. So 1 Kings chapter 19. So now you know where we are. Uh, we had this great uh, mountaintop experience, the Mount Carmel experience. We'll talk about victory, talk about 
winning, talk about, you know, God's decisive victory. First uh, Kings chapter 19, the aftermath after they, they, he uh, eliminates the opponents of the Lord. First Kings 19, verse number one, and Ahab, he goes home after that meeting because Jezebel didn't go to church that day. <laughs> she, she only heard about it. <laughs> she she, she uh, heard about it on CNN and said, is that what happened? Really? Is that what? what it, tell me what happened. So Ahab comes back and says, well, honey, you know, those prophets of Baal, that you, <laughs> the prophets of the groves that, that uh, are your employees. Oh, boy. He told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. She's not good with it. All right, I'm going to get you. So at that point, after we, we see what had taken place, Elijah reacted poorly, I guess you would say. He, he didn't prepare for the long conflict. Elijah wasn't prepared to do these things that we're going to go over. And this will, this will help you and I to prepare for the long conflict. Elijah wasn't prepared to, number one, make enemies. Did he think that Jezebel was going to be okay to destroy the army of her employees? Did he, did he really think that, that uh, it, Jezebel was going to kind of go along with this? The one who had the power of the army and the power of the purse strings of the nation and, and, and uh, was the one to really be feared? And did he really think that he wasn't going to be making enemies? I, I think Elijah understood that. But he wasn't prepared. He wasn't prepared to make enemies. Not only was she upset, she went after him. She engaged in her attack. She was the one sent a messenger to Elijah. See, you don't have to go looking for a fight when you stand for God. They come after you. <laughs> and all you, all you need to do is just, you know, affirm the truth. If you affirm the truth, which is uh, in opposition, a contrast to the lie, they're going to come after you. And that's... Somehow, in this situation, maybe Elijah wasn't prepared to make enemies. And number two, maybe Elijah wasn't prepared to continue the conflict. I mean, after this giant victory, the, you know, the mountaintop experience of fire coming down from heaven and, and doing that kind of a spectacular, decisive win for God, <clears throat> I'm done, right? We won, correct? It's over. Wasn't that the climax? Well, yeah, it was certainly a spectacular climax and a victory, but that didn't secure a white flag from every enemy of God. Surely didn't from Jezebel. Folks, see, although that we win scuffles and battles and conflicts, the war goes on. And it will continue to rage till Jesus puts down all enemies, which he will. Thank the Lord. We just sang about that. Marvelous message we bring, wonderful Word of the King, all the whatever else goes in that song. Jesus is coming again. Yes. We know that he's coming again. And when he does, every knee shall bow. That's what the Bible says. Those who go along with him, those who believe him, those who deny him, those who say he doesn't exist. <clears throat> I've never seen so many people who hate something or somebody that's not in existence as the atheist nowadays. But nonetheless, you got angry, angry people that are against God and and uh, that claim that you know he's not the creator and he didn't uh, he he doesn't have authority and you know all of that's going to change when when Jesus shows up Amen. and that's in his time we're going we're to allow that to happen. <clears throat>
But <clears throat> what we need to understand is we can't put our sword down. N not yet. Don't dare put your sword down. Don't drop your guard. Any one of us can fail. Any one of us can falter. Folks, we're in a battle and it's continuing. No matter how many victories, no matter what's happened in your life, a lot of times a person will get saved and they'll be on cloud nine. Really, they're on cloud nine. Look at what God did. And he's, and, and kind of feel like everybody understands. No. Everybody will, will uh, uh, applaud me for that. No. Everybody's going along with the, the, the victory and the blessing that I'm experiencing. No, that's not, the, that's not the case. And then we see opposition and it's continued. Even after, even after great victories, we continue the conflict. Maybe Elijah wasn't prepared to continue the battle. You know what, for sure, Elijah wasn't prepared to do is to stand alone. He kind of figured that he was the only one. And later on, we read what his real problem was. It was he felt like he was the only one that was standing for God. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 10, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel <coughs> have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, and left. There's nobody else standing. <coughs> nobody else is pro proclaiming the, the truth. Nobody else is, is standing true. And they seek my life to take it away. I, I only am left. Well, that wasn't so. That really wasn't so. Although he felt like he was the only one, others failed. Nobody else went through what he had to go through, right? No, that just wasn't reality. God responds to him in verse number 18, 1 Kings 19, 18. He says, no, that's not so, Elijah. Yet... I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. He says that God was, was correcting him. He was off. He was saying, nobody else is standing. I'm the only one. I'm the only one that's true and faithful, and he was wrong on that. God said, no, there's, there's multitudes. I have many that are faithful to me. So he had to be corrected in some ways. Let, let me make a few corrections here in the way we look at things, sometimes in our faith. Number one, we are not unique. We're not the only ones that face that temptation. We're not the only ones that face that trial. We're not the only ones that face that loss or that grief. We're, we are not unique. First Peter chapter 4, verse number 12 says, Beloved, think not it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. He was talking to believers, and he says, Now listen, folks. There's going to be times where you're going to go through difficulties. Don't feel like you're the only one. <coughs> Don't feel like, man, this has never happened to anybody else. This is, this is something that's strange or rare. He says, no, no, the same thing happens to others. The same thing uh, others are facing. The same thing other people. Listen, we are not unique in this thing. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Hey, listen, we're in this battle, but you know, every believer faces the same things. I remember when I first got saved and tried to <coughs> begin to change my life, which I was such a mess. I was so upside down. I was so... 
I was, I was uh, uh, like a, a raft without a rudder in the, in the midst of an ocean. I didn't know what I was doing, where I was going, and all, everything, all my practices were wrong, and then I get saved. And then I'm trying to battle with sin in my own life. I'm trying to battle with, with my own self. And, you know, uh, I love that song that was sung, that he rescued me from me. That's, that's what happened to me. I, re I remember, you know, when I'm trying to deal with these things and I'm going, man, this is hard. This is difficult. Nobody's ever done this yet, right? <laughs> you might think that. That's what, you know, Peter says, no, no, the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Everybody faces that. Everybody faces a conflict in their own uh, soul. I'm talking to a guy that uh, believes that once you get saved, you can come to the sinless perfection kind of state where you never sin anymore. I don't know what planet he's living on, but that's not, that's not according to truth. I'm, I'm struggling with my own sinful nature every day, and so are you, if you're honest. That's what Paul said. The things that I do, I don't want to do. Things that I don't do, um, to say I shouldn't do, I do. What in the world? And you know, listen, we're facing that all the time because we're still in the flesh, and, we're and it's the same thing that others, our brothers, are facing around the world. It's, it's a we're not unique, folks. We are not unique. We also have to understand that God remains faithful to us. He's faithful. Now, we might fail and we might falter, but you know what? We, that is such a blessing to know. We have such a God who is so, so uh, uh, powerful and true and solid. He remains faithful to us. That verse that Brother Nick brought out in, in the, the uh, offertory. What a blessing. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Common to man. But God is faithful. Okay, we're going to be tempted. We're going to be, uh, uh, sometimes you'll fail, sometimes you'll falter, sometimes you get off the, the beaten path, sometimes you get into trouble. <clears throat> but God is faithful. He's faithful to those who put their trust in him. I remember coming to him saying, God, I can't do this. I need you. Finally, when I repented, <coughs> I can't do this. I need you to do this for me. And he did. And you know what? He has been faithful. He's faithful who will not suffer you, not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Hey, listen, God is faithful. He's faithful to give you the means to get out of it, the means to, to uh, uh, survive. Even if we're plunged into persecution, the Lord will stand with us there. Don't worry about it. That's okay. Another correction that we need to do is we need to know that we're not unique and that God remains faithful to us, but then also we need to just join the crowd. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. What a blessing. What a blessing says, this is what you're going to face. You will face, in this world, you're going <coughs> to face tribulation. This is the second time that Jesus said that. Uh, he's just kind of warning us. He's helping us to, to prepare for the battle. You better prepare for the battle, knowing that we're going to be suffering tribulation. But don't worry about it. 
The enemy can go just so far. Heavenly compensation is so worth it. So beyond this, this life. And whatever it is that anybody gives, anybody sacrifices for the Lord, he will, will compensate well. See, without the Lord in your corner, you're going to face that celestial courtroom in condemnation. Friend, if you're here without Christ, you've never been born again. I don't care how you, you paint it. You're a mess. I mean, if you're honest, honest with yourself, things don't make sense. You're in fear and you're in, you're in heartache and grief and turmoil. That's you, that's me, without Christ. I remember finally coming to the Lord. I'm talking about when I got saved. Man, I tried and 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 I failed so many times and I, I was such a mess. I had to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, I'm not able. I'm not, not able to do this. I'm not able to, to design my life. I can't do this. I need you. When I gave over the keys to the master, oh, wow. <laughs> what a blessing it is to know the Lord. I am so, listen, friend, I'm telling you, it's so wonderful to, to know, to lay your pillow, your head on your pillow at night and, and know that if that night you were to be gone, you're waking up in heaven. And it's got nothing to do with my performance or our goodness. No, it's got to do with what Jesus did for us, what we could not do. He was the one that, that took care of it. He was the one that is providing salvation for all those who repent. Oh, that's, now, that's, no. That's, I'm not going there. I'm not going to admit that I'm wrong. I'm not going to admit that God, God is right. Well, then it's not for you. Sorry. Go on and be punished. That's up to you. See, every one of us, the, the Bible makes it very clear. We're going to stand before the Lord someday. If you're lost without Christ, never been born again, you read about that in Revelation chapter 19, 20, 21. The dead, small and great, will stand before God. The books are opened in another book, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. That means everything is on, on film. Everything is on camera. Everything is recorded. Everything is on tape. And at that celestial courtroom between the, the, the all-righteous and holy creator, your life will be reviewed and you will be judged according to your works. That's what you've done. That's what you've said. That's what you've thought. That's where you've been. Oh, my goodness. You need to get saved. You, you need to repent of your sins and come to Christ. Everybody faces judgment for their sin. It's only those who repent and accept God's love shown by Christ taking our condemnation for us on the cross. Those are the ones who are saved. As many as received him, to them gave you power to become sons of God. Even to them, those that believe on his name. See, you are not unique. You can't save yourself. You need a savior, just like me. And just like all of us in the world, we need a Savior. We're not unique. And that's where Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. He's the one that laid down his life, not for his sins or his failures or his faults, but for mine and for yours. He's the one that, 
bore our iniquity on the cross, and now I can be saved. What a blessing. Talk about a deal. Talk about a deal. I mean, what love. He's already done that. It's already, you know, it's, it's within your reach. It's within your reach. You can be forgiven. You can, you can be saved if you just would. See, the thing about it is, <coughs> God comes through, and he's, he's vindicated. And he will be. I just like the battle on Mount Carmel and with the children of Israel at this time. Battles can be won, but the war still rages on until Jesus sits on the throne and makes all things new. This is where we're at. Be faithful. Be faithful. Every head bowed. Nobody look for just a moment. Lord, I pray.